podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo Mild Hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between, Volvo Mild Hybrid technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. Welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! Hello! Sorry, I'll be late, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't even blame the Zoom audio for that. Um, It's pod 340, and we have actual Crystal Palace matches to review. It feels like it's been forever. And to do that, I'm joined by three very special people. Kevin Day, of course, is one of those special people. How are you? Uh, I'm, I was better on Sunday than I, I am today, let's put it that way, but I'm fine, I'm good, I'm hot. Yeah, we're, we're recording on Thursday um, after the Liverpool game, we'll yeah. come on to that. I suspect our other two guests are feeling the same way. Chloe Petz is returning, how are you? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, I've watched every single game I've been able to watch since the games came back, so I've been on the sofa for like 25 <laughs> plus hours, so I'm kind of worried about like, bed sores or muscle wastage or something like that but i have to say like i'm feeling good i'm feeling good to have footy back even even after last night good well you're looking good so thank you for joining us i'm sure there's no bed sores or anything it's very very early to get into bed sores on the podcast anyway our final guest i'm delighted he's back we always get such a good reaction when he comes on it's the one and only troy townsend troy how you doing yeah, brilliant. I mean, I'm still going to question what pod I'm on now that there's bed sores involved as well. But um, it's, no, it's great to be back and it's great to be back while we're talking football um, and obviously other important matters as well. But always delighted to come on. So thank you for having me. Bed sores and Burnley. I think that's going to be <laughs> nice. the title Look, guys, of this week's podcast. I said about the bed sores quite flippantly. Let's not make it a thing. <laughs> I, I don't want to become known as like bed sore girl. I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Chloe, you've done well. I can't watch the football. There's the two games I've, well, four games I've watched is obviously the two Palace games and then the first game, the Man City Arsenal game. And I may take in Man City Chelsea tonight, but it's not. Uh, the Liverpool Everton game absolutely oh. bored me to tears. And I was just so glad dinner was coming at the same time. You know, it's just, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't been able to really watch it. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with the players. It's just the the authenticity has gone. You know, the fans, the the fake oh. noise, the the ooze when the ball is up the other end of the pitch, and the ahs when actually it's just only gone out for a throw. Is just it, I'm I'm not feeling it at the moment. But in a sense, I'm still glad football's back. By the way, but yeah, I'm still questioning whether it needed to be back right now. 
Well, that, that Norwich game yesterday was so dull that the, the actual fake Atmos gave up halfway through the second half. It's <laughs> <laughs> basically petered out. And, and bizarrely, I don't know if you watched any of it, Jonathan Pierce just suddenly halfway through started talking about Jack Ketch's rebellion in Norwich in 1549. Wow. Which was wow. A, a Catholic uprising. And Jonathan just went, I went to pay my respects to the, the, the dead of the Jack Ketch rebellion in Norwich. And whoever the co-commentator was, you could hear him going, what the... What? <laughs> Going through his notes. <laughs> I'm prepared for this. <laughs> but, you know, you're absolutely right, though. I've, I've found that I've sat through a lot of the games, like Chloe, and I've, I find them a difficult watch. To be perfectly honest, I mean the, the Palace Bournemouth game. I thought I thought we were the. I watched every single one of the first games, the first round yeah. of game, and I thought, apart from City, I thought we were probably the best team I saw. Yeah. In the first round of games, but it's still, it's just hard to. You're absolutely right. It's just hard to watch, and it's the players. I mean, it was the same in the Bundesliga. The first round of games, first couple of round of games, the players very they looked they looked uncertain. They looked slightly mm. nervy, and, and it's it's an odd it is an odd watch. It's a very strange yeah. thing, but, but yeah. you know, it's it's better than nothing. And uh, I'm going to question it. that. I'm going to question that. Kevin, well, it's better than nothing, well, especially last night. <laughs> well, yeah, fair point. Yeah, you said that, but, but you, you have to kind Not of. What you mean. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I think I think your son was one of the people who said that he felt very safe in the training ground and in, yeah. and in the ground. But you know, it's like even getting there last night. I mean, I think one of the reasons we didn't play well last night is because they all went up in individual people carriers, and it's like, well, no, no, they they went they went via plane, but then uh, when they finished from the hotel, oh, then they went got to you, the right, people carriers and then went right. home by people carriers as well. But it's right. it's a whole new different way of traveling. Would you travel to Anfield on the day of a game? No, no matter what time it is, no. of course. No. And that has to have an impact on, on mm. you know, just on their body, just on yeah. the way, you know, it has to have, and I'm not just saying it's because it's Crystal Palace, that would be any team that's travelling away. Arsenal travelled away to Man City, you know, and, and I think got in there at five o'clock. That's yeah. no preparation yeah. in terms of mentally, physically, and everything that the players are used to, you know. It's no preparation at all for football. I'm not saying it's it's that's because of the result happened because of that, but I'm saying it these things have an impact. You know, and, and uh, I, I think the result happened for for multiple reasons, yeah. which we'll we'll discuss later. But I do think we're going to see widely in Premier League football at the moment more extremes of results because you know last night we go one nil down. We get you got the the away fans are, are going to give it. We get a bit of something yeah. behind us, yeah. and, and we can frustrate the Anfield crowd, and, and you play off it. So yeah, I think it's it's a major major. Um, yeah, it has a major impact, but I, I, I think we're probably doing it because Liverpool need to win the league. I, I don't know if there would be something different if it was someone that had won the league. <laughs> but to pick sure. up on your point, Chloe, and I know this is not even touching on the talking points at the moment, so we'll shut up in a minute. You know what it's like going to Anfield, and if you can keep them quiet for twenty minutes, once they've done the the opening bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Once they've done the, all right, first five, ten minutes, we're going to absolutely go yep. in the back room. Do you remember last year, we weathered the storm, weathered the storm. Then we started to play a little bit. Then the crowd went silent because nothing was happening. Then we scored. And then all of a sudden, there was a totally different atmosphere. And, and that buzz of knowing that your fans, who are absolutely making more noise than the home section, um, is driving you on, is, is that, you know, to take that away from a player. I know people will say, oh, they're only playing football. But to take that adrenaline, that's a massive part of a player's adrenaline. So to take that away, you're going to have to adapt. And that's why it will take time to get used to, you know, all the the difference that the game isn't now. And when we get onto the Bournemouth thing, it's the same with the Bournemouth game, to be totally honest. You know, they had their moment. 
they passed it about. We thought, okay, is that all they got? Then we got on the front foot. Then we then we went and ex- exploited the spaces that they gave us. Also, Chloe, I'd, I'd be amazed if any of the top five teams lose a game in the final round of matches because you just have to look at their benches. I mean, look at their bench compared to ours. It, almost yeah. inevitably, teams will be using three, four, five subs. And if if your three, four, five subs like Liverpool's would probably get into our first team, you've got a natural advantage. And your point about wanting Liverpool to win the title is also a good one because the, the problem with the Premier League is you get two million quid for every place you finish. So even if you stop the season and a club were, were, were 14th and thought they could finish at 8th, they'd be going, well, hang on a second, we could have got six, eight yeah. million quid. The three teams that were, if you stopped the season and relegated three teams, I guarantee all three of those teams would have taken it to court. Absolutely. That's, so that's why the, yeah. the Premier League, I, I think they took a, what hopefully is a calculated risk to avoid long-term mitigation, legal legal stuff because it's you know, and in, it's different in League 2 because the clubs can't afford to play behind closed doors they simply can't afford to put the, the cost of putting a game on without any fans coming in but they calculate that Premier League clubs can they want to get it over and done with as quickly as possible and then regroup and see whether they can come back again next season but I, I, you know, I do I do hope and trust that, of course that everything within the ground is, is but my worry is getting from the whether you live to the ground yeah. that's where the yeah. potential for the risk to, to people's safety and health is mm. yeah and those, those those legal challenges you talk about are happening in other countries you know there are french yeah. teams i think that are challenging the decision but troy do just from your perspective as a as a footballing man do you think we've made the right decision coming back do you think it's been done in the right way do you think what we're seeing now unfold is is sort of the right decision there's two things here JD, you said footballing man, but I'm also a parent and the parental side yeah. takes over everything, you know. Yes, you know, Andrew said that we're in the safest environment and, and yeah, they probably are, but that doesn't take the, take away the risk. You know, Kevin mm. said about travelling and all of a sudden you've got to use petrol pumps, you've got to, you know, go into stores, maybe get yourself bottles of water and stuff like that, stuff that you were not doing before because you was practising the, you know, staying at home, you know. So yeah. one of the, the early cases that was found was that the Bournemouth lad had, had got it from a petrol station, mm. you know, from using a pump, you know, so wow. that means everyone's at risk, you know, and, and Andros trains in gloves and he, you know, goes around in gloves. So as a parent, I was saying no, because we're making so many different changes to the game that it's not the game that they'd left behind. So you've got an uneven season, you yeah. know, and I don't think that's right. And I, Kevin's absolutely spot on. That benefit to the teams that have got bigger squads that are fuller, that absolutely are right the way through with talent. Man United went 3-0 up last night and put on five subs all at the same time. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that it influenced the result, because it didn't. But what it did do was give five players a rest, in that heat and said, the manager said, go on, you five, just go on and keep what we've got here. Do you know what I mean? That kind of influence is, is, is important. Liverpool can do that. Maybe we could do it more than what we do. The game was shot last night. Maybe we could yeah. have put on a few of the youngsters rather than worry. But then is Roy thinking, I don't want this to be five, six, seven or eight. Yeah, yeah. And that's being no disrespect to anybody. But the unbalance in the squads makes it unfair as far as I'm concerned. I didn't want us to come back yet. I, I didn't feel that it was right, and I don't feel it's right for a contact sport, as been proved with the tennis, by the way, that it's yeah, not even yeah, a contact yeah. sport. But yeah. I didn't yes. think it was right that we were back yet, financial or not, you know. And, you know, people are saying, well, you know, Premier League can afford it. Well, after a month, there was Premier League clubs furloughing staff. 
There was Premier League clubs saying that we we can't continue. That I can't get my head around. What have you been doing for your money then? Mm. Is the game two weeks at a time? Do we collect our finances a month at a time? And then, you know, is there no forward planning? Or was it all about just saving money to make sure that we continue to exist? You know, we're in we're in unprecedented times. But I, me personally, I couldn't see the game coming back until at least September. But, uh, you know, you have to weigh it up and you have to appreciate and understand the pros, the negatives, the fours, the against, and understand why we're in this position we're in. I, I don't think the football is a spectacle. I see Liverpool dominate. I see Man City dominate. And I would expect the likes of Man United and Chelsea to do exactly what they're doing. Look at Leicester. Look at Sheffield United. Teams mm. that were flying before this break. Yeah. Leicester mm. don't look the same. Mm. Sheffield United can't cope. They look like the Sheffield mm. United I expect for next season. That's happening now, you know. So it's a real issue that has, has created an unfair balance as far as I'm concerned in a real competitive league. Um, and and that's, that's probably, so in answer, long-winded answer to your question, I don't believe we should be back yet. No, it's interesting. You're right. And it has, it has, it's taken the essence of what the Premier League was, which is anyone can be anyone, and it's actually yeah. made it a bit more like La Liga or or Serie A, and it's it's, yeah. it's actually a bit um, unbalanced. Um, anyway, well, that's a very long intro to the podcast. Can I can I just say um, the uh, I've been watching some of the playoff matches from League One and League Two, and they've been absolutely cracking. So if anyone wants something that's actually like good, competitive, <laughs> crunching tackles, then uh, then I give give those a watch. There we go. Yeah, I think we were hoping the Premier League would be like the Premier League. I think it feels like they're just trying to play it out, just get Liverpool yeah. the title and just sort yeah. of get yeah. on with it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Everyone move else on to the next season. Forget about think, it. Like Kev said, there's a lot of money at stake. Yeah, massively. You know, with, with yeah. money at a loss at the moment, you know, yeah. to gain an extra two mil should be enough to make people competitive, but I just think it's not a level playing field right now. Yeah. Troy, if you want to understand the football finance side of things, you need a pod <laughs> called The Price of Football, <laughs> which is really good. I can recommend that twice a week. Oh, where does that come from, Kev? Those days Mondays. <laughs> yeah. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Okay, so I did want to get on to obviously both games, but um, I made a note in our in our um, running order that in part one I want to talk about Black Lives Matter and football. And Troy, obviously, you're very active with Kick It Out, and you're very active on Twitter, uh, positive and negative. I know. <laughs> And there's been, obviously, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement has been entwined in football recently, with footballers taking the knee before games, which 
doesn't, for me, seem to get any less powerful a moment, mm. even though we've seen it a dozen times now during games. Mm. It seems to be incredibly powerful. And the players all seem to be on board with that. And then, of course, with the Man City-Burnley game, we saw that banner being flown over the Etihad. So I'm wondering, from your position at, at Kick It Out, how much progress do we feel has been made recently with the movement in general? And in football, are we seeing... <laughs> progress in the game or actually and I know you'll know this from obviously being active on Twitter when you look at when Burnley put their statement out or Ben Mee did that post-match uh, press conference some of the comments on those tweets are absolutely abhorrent so I'm wondering are we making progress or is it actually shining a light on more areas of the game and society that are maybe not quite as progressive as we'd hoped we can't gauge progress around this movement yet because it's still new Yes, you know, there's been, uh, I absolutely agree with you. Every time I see a player kneel down, you know, it's such an important statement. It's a powerful statement, you know, and remember the Premier League, the, the demographics of the Premier League is is amazing, you know. So it's it's unbelievable to watch the first night really got to me, to be totally honest, when I saw the, the Man City and Arsenal. Sorry, there was a game before which I couldn't watch, but the Man City and Arsenal players do it. It was powerful. Um, I've seen the imagery. Uh, I've seen I've seen players get up before the eight seconds, which I've kind of questioned as well. Um, but we can't gauge what, what where we are because it's still a new movement. And if I'm going to put my big mouth in it like I always do, I've been here before. I've heard statements before. I've seen blacking out screens before. I've seen support come from people that I never, when I say people, I mean institutions and organizations that I've never seen before. I've seen everybody pipe up. And I'm not being disrespectful when I say pipe up because piping up is the very minimum you should be doing at this stage. You know, acknowledging what is a global issue should be the very minimum. But by the way, if we've been addressing these issues ongoing, particularly in football, we wouldn't be at this stage where we're actually supporting the fact that a, a black person lost their life in the US to an officer of the law or officers of the law. And we've now taken the power of what's happened over there and utilized it in our own country and in our sports because we want change. So let's strip all that aside. And I'm not being disrespectful to anybody or anything in this, but it shows that we fundamentally have a problem that we've absolutely never addressed properly before. And uh, you talk about the comments underneath certain tweets. The Sky Sports tweeted a few weeks ago. Am I allowed to say Sky Sports? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Sky Sports News tweeted um, about the Black Lives Matters on the shirts. And I'm trying to learn to do this now is to stop, stop scrolling. Mm -hmm. I'm learning to stop scrolling because it does my mental well-being no good whatsoever. Um, and the hatred that is out there, the, the racial hatred, by the way, but just the, the wave of people now that have been empowered because the word black has been included in a movement. And I'm forget life's matters, by the way, the word black has been included in a movement and they feel as if they're being overpowered by the voice of the black person or black ally, by the way, of which there are many leads me to think that absolutely we've got loads more to do. A lot of these people would normally be in our stadiums. Mm. A lot of these people may be when there is, and I know the minute silence for the NHS, but then there's the eight seconds for the nil, would probably be talking during that nil. 
So showing their lack of respect. We cannot visibly see that at the moment. But what we can visibly see or read is all the the the, the comments underneath. Anytime a player, a club, a news outlet, or even an individual like me posts Black Lives Matter and you get so much coming back at you. You know, I, I have the only thing that has been very, very therapeutic for me during this period of time is block and mute. Mm. It's absolutely yeah. been the best thing that has ever been introduced because you can start a conversation and you believe that someone is honest in their appraisal. And then you really get to who the individual is. And then you think to yourself, and you, I try and reason sometimes. I get a lot of people message me and say, Troy, leave it. But I always think, well, you know, if they're prepared to, to challenge, let's try and reason. Let's try and talk this out. And then you very quickly come to the fact that their view is their view, which they're allowed to have. And they're not being, they will never be open-minded about it. And for me, we've got massive problems in this country right about now. We've got massive problems that may be because most of us are still in lockdown or, you know, the pandemic's ongoing. But we've got, you know, those problems, which are health problems, which everybody, I think, can understand where we are with that. But we've got massive problems in terms of a divide. And just seeing Ben Mee, so we talk about the Burnley captain, seeing him talk on that evening, uncomfortable as he was, by the way. Yeah. And I've got no problem with that whatsoever. But seeing him talk for his changing room, for his town, for his people, as far as he's concerned, was one of the most powerful things I, I could ever wish to see. He's not black. He has some understanding, but not total understanding. But he was hurt and, as he said, embarrassed by what he saw. So for me, that's the volumes that it speaks. And if you cannot connect with your club captain, then the issue is about you, not about the club and who they are. Tori, I thought what was interesting as well, the, the, the Burnley thing, is that the next day, I'm not sure if it was the CEO, but it's one of the club officials, was was honest enough and brave enough to say on camera that the town had a problem. Yeah. That, 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 that area in particular, he said, whether it's because they feel left behind, whether it's because they said, well, whatever it is, we have the, the, a problem with race in this town, which is a really honest thing for him to say. And the trouble is that the people you, you try and engage with on Twitter, those idiot racists, in the football ground, they know enough to keep stum because yeah, they know in yeah. a football ground they'll be police yeah. the stewards will be on top of them yeah, most people around yeah. most people around us will say to them mate you can't say that on twitter they can say what they want but i think where there has been some slight forward motion and you know that the problem with these things Troy, is always two steps forward and one step back, one it's, step how back far, yeah. it's how far you go with the two steps but just before our game on on saturday and i spoke to gary lineker about it afterwards uh, five years ago i don't think the bbc producers would have allowed that conversation that Lineker and, and Ian Wright had to happen live on, on BBC. And when Ian's talking about his experience, when Gary Lineker says live on television to all those white people going, what, you know, what, why is it Black Lives Matter? When he says, when you go into a supermarket, you don't get followed by the security guard. When you're driving a car, you don't get stopped. That, that conversation wouldn't have taken place. So there, 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 are, there are signs that people are in the institutions are taking it seriously, properly seriously, and meaning it. But it's, it's holding them to it. That's the thing. And it's like Jermaine Jenner yeah. said, it's, it's all very well us going, this is fantastic, football's doing this, football's taking a knee. He said, well, what happens, what happens if you want to ask the black directors about it or the black managers? Well, you, you can't because there, there aren't, aren't any. Right that's, that's the thing. And it's, and it's great that football, and I think football is doing more than just paying lip service to it. I think they generally are taking it seriously. And I think there are people who take their clubs seriously, who take the lead from the football clubs. But until we're in a situation, until we've got a Rooney rule here, until we've got a situation where, you know, it's only on the pitch 
that the, the amount of black people there are in this country is reflected properly. And until that's in the stands, I, I would guess that there's, there's not enough black fans for a start off. There's certainly not enough black referees. There's not enough black coaches. And until that happens, the conversation will continue and continue. That's the that's the problem. And, yeah. and that, but that's going to take. It, it, it'll be ten years. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen that's overnight. The, that's the frustrating yeah. thing. And you're, you're right, Kev. I spoke to Wrighty, and Wrighty said he had to make sure that he got his words right. Yeah, of course. He had to make sure because, you know, you know the amount of people that want match, match of the day and the amount of people that actually wouldn't want that conversation on the platform. Yeah. So Wrighty said he had to nail it, you know, and, and what Gary said was right. And there's been other platforms. I don't know if you've seen Robbie Earle out in America. I mean, he started crying on air, you know, about some of his experiences, but also about the support that he's received. And I know... But when I talk, there's so many genuine people and we don't do it enough is focus on the genuine people that hear yeah. your message that are not the same as you, that are coming yeah. from different backgrounds, but also actually really feel what you're saying and really appreciate what you're saying and absolutely align with what you're saying. Although they, they still have a lot of learning to, to, you know, to understand. And I have a, I, I struggle in terms of my understanding in appreciating that. And I've got to start mentally tuning myself to appreciate that a lot more than the idiots that do come. Um, and, and say what they do say. And I'm, I'm going to class them as idiots. They can, you know, if they hear this pod and they're part of that, then I'm sorry. But this, um, this is this is the thing that I think is difficult, um, Troy, is that uh, people, the, the opinion that black people are anything less than equal is wrong. It's not an opinion. It's it's a, a statement. It's a lie. It's, it's a complete misnomer. And I think what's good about this... Um, movement is that you know a couple a couple of months back we were looking at that the the guy whose name escapes me on sky sports uh said something about oh that's uh so-and-so's opinion rather than the yeah, opinion david of sky jones. sports you, david you jones, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah david jones percent yeah and and i think that, that was absolutely disgusting but what i'm glad to be seeing is that every platform that is showing football is unequivocally unequivocally saying Black Lives Matter. And but, no one is saying that that's an opinion. No one's saying that's up for debate. Yeah, they are yeah, saying that yeah. black Chloe, lives matter. All, Chloe, all I would say, and you're spot on about that, but all I'd say about that is that I've heard that before as well. Okay. If, they didn't, if they didn't address it, there'd be more flack. Do you know what okay. I mean? But as I, again, let's look inwards. I'm looking at the producers. I'm looking at the senior execs. I'm looking at all the people in the background and not one of them would be an Ian Wright or reflect a Micah Richards or beer. So whilst it's great that they are making those statements and, and absolutely it's the very minimum they should be doing, are they looking back inwards in terms of what, what do we do? And there's a few of them that are because I'm having the conversations with them. Um, and I think it's great that they're being open-minded, but we're in bloody 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you now, there is not an equal plat platform for black people in football, apart absolutely. from being an entertainer. And that is the people on the football pitch or at entry level. You know, my job is made harder because I don't see people that look like me when I'm having these conversations at the highest level. Mm -hmm. So actually, does the highest level just go, well, he's gone now. We've given him his hour. You know, let's get him out the door. You know, and until we see that better representation, until football stops saying entry level needs to change, club boards need to change, and start saying, but what about us as authorities? What are we doing? Then I will not accept that change is going to happen. And that will make it longer than ten years. Sorry, well, I was about to say the other the other irony is that with Sky, with the BBC, with BT Sport, really the only place you see black faces is on screen. 
because if you walk out of the studio at all those places, and I work at all of them, yeah, yeah. There, are no, there are no black directors. There are, I think, two or three black cameramen at most, and there aren't enough female camera crew either. Yeah. There are very few black producers. You know, there are a couple of researchers, but you, it's, not, it's not an industry. It's, it's a very white industry. And so it, it's brilliant that they're addressing it, and it's brilliant that we see so many black faces in front of the screen. But again, it's one of those things that they, they need to recruit more, and they need to be asking yeah. themselves, well, if they say, well, black people aren't applying for the jobs, they need to be saying, well, why aren't they applying for the jobs? You know, and the, tr- the trouble is with the whole of the TV industry is that is at the, the most junior level, a lot of the jobs are intern jobs. Not, people are not getting paid to be runners, to be junior yeah. researchers, to be producers. And, and, and that's from, wrong as well. Of course that's it's wrong, wrong but, people, well. yeah. but people from working class backgrounds, which is where a lot of the black candidates will yeah. come from, can't afford to do that. Mm. It's, it's as simple as that. So, and but I think also, it, Kev, I think also that, that, that people, what, all right, these young black people, and I'm, and I'm going to st- say that because they're not prepared now to work without money. Now, course, listen, yeah. there's, there's a different thing. I volunteered for Kick It Out, and I was in my blah, blah, blah years of age. I'm not even going to tell you that because I give away my age, you know, and it, it, it was a well-established age, by the way, um, because we'll, I wanted we'll to make an impact. Tell us. <laughs> but I wanted to work. Well, listen, I've been there nine years. It narrows it down. But um, I wanted to make an impact and a difference. I was lucky that absolutely behind me, I thought I can do this for a little period because I've got the money, you know. Yeah. But I wanted to influence the organisation enough for them to actually say, well, Troy, here you go. You know, three months turn into eight months. And then in the end, I was like, I can't keep doing this because now I've got to put food on the table still and I can't keep going into the reserves. And I was quite fortunate. But if I hadn't have done the the, the first bit right, if I hadn't have gone in there and, and been, I can be silly sometimes, but mature and, and knew my stuff and showed them that absolutely I'm going to be a benefit to the organisation. At the end of my time, they would have just said, thanks very much. Been great having you with us. See you later. Mm. You know, but so there's there's a couple things here. Yes, people should be getting paid. It's not that easy, but that talent pool is available. That's what I'm saying, Kev. So absolutely, if, if Sky, BBC or all these broadcasters are saying there's no talent out there, it's because you're not going to look for them. Yeah. You know, so I know that there was a job available recently. I looked everywhere for it just so I could find it and I couldn't find it. And they said, yeah, the job's out there. Honestly, I couldn't find it. Mm. So I'm saying, you're saying the job's out there. I can't find it. Mm. So if I can't find it and I'm in the industry, yeah. what are the young people doing? Yeah, How are they yeah. going to find it? You know, so, uh, yeah. Sorry, this, Chloe, I jumped in on you. Sorry. No, not at all. Not at all. It's, it's so interesting and so valuable what you're saying. And I think it's that wider thing of like, it's, it's just like a, it's just like a cycle that's going to go on and on and on. Because as long as it's like old white blokes that are, running the game they have no insight about how to appeal to a demographic that doesn't apply to them and that might be yeah. you know it might be all of the goodwill in the world it might be that they have all of these amazing attention intentions but they're just ignorant to it because it's not their life experience oh. mm. and that's chloe, why you know actually the representation mm. is so true. Yeah, chloe do you know the one i hear go on i've got a friend that's black yeah. that one you know yeah, and that's yeah. where i take my my influence i was in a boardroom of the board that i will not say Two letters got a dot in the middle of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I won't say the board, but when I was introduced to this person of seniority, I think he was nervous because I was, and he bumbled his way through and literally focused on the fact that he had a black friend. Now, I know this person was not a friend. He knew him. He wasn't a friend. He knew him. But then proceeded to talk to me about all the... Conver- I'm not there for that. I'm there for a business yeah. meeting. But he felt that he had to 
talk to me about this one black friend that he had and that's how he can appreciate i haven't opened my mouth yet yeah. but he said he can appreciate how i'm feeling I, I hadn't opened my mouth yet and i walked away from the meeting that lasted hour and 15 and that was the only thing that i remembered from the meeting so i put people in people like me put other people in an uncomfortable position for some reason people think that i'm there to to, to take jobs or to influence you know all we're trying to say is that can we not have a level playing field? Yeah. Can people like me and all the underrepresented groups, by the way, it's not just black people, but let's focus on black people for the purpose of this discussion, have better representation where they're judged on the quality of what they do and who they are rather than the quota that maybe some people want. You know, and as I sit here, I can tell you about women. I can tell you about people from an Asian background. I can tell you about people with disability. I can tell you about the LGBT community. I could go on and on and on. Well, that, sorry, it, sorry, mate. It, it, yesterday, the, the, the Norwich game yesterday, it was it was very moving to see the the Justin Fashionu shirt, huge yeah. Justin Fashionu shirt with the rainbow flag superimposed on it. He wasn't able to come out as gay in the 1980s and he still would still he still probably wouldn't now. So like you say there's a lot there's an awful lot of progress to be made on 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 every level and it, and it's brilliant that Norwich have that wonderful tribute to him. But at the time that Norwich would have got rid of him rather than exactly. allowed to come out as gay. Exactly. If, you know, you know, I, I use Justin as part of my education, Kev. Yeah. I used it to, to let people know that what a brilliant, talented footballer yeah. that wasn't allowed to be here. Can you imagine walking on a football pitch and you cannot truly be who you are? So, yeah. To fear of. That's, that's, not, that's not right. That's not right. And, you know, in all of this, this is not just football's problem, by the way. This is sports problem. This is a mm. science. And I understand it's a societal problem. I've got to mention, Bubba Wallace, who many people may or may not know, you know, a black... NASCAR drivers, very similar, let's say, if people don't know, to a Lewis Hamilton yeah. in our country. He had to walk back in. Well, he didn't see it. There was a noose mm. hanging in oh. the garage. Yeah. Oh, my God. And now, by the way, in America, lynchings have gone up. Mm. So since George Floyd, there's been five or six lynchings, hangings, which they're trying to describe as suicide. Mm. Yeah. Black suicides do not happen in that way. Mm. Okay? So all of a sudden, lynchings have gone up. There's five or six. I've got a friend out in America, Detroit. They are lynching people now. Okay? And he said, we're worried. I had another friend speak to me, and he said, I will not go out for a jog in my area. And my area is a very nice, affluent area. He, would, he said, use the term non-racist. He said, but even I won't go out for a jog. Mm. He said, if I get the police behind me, I've got to make sure that my hands are down by my side. Mm. And if they stop me, do not twitch. Do not do not mm. move. I'm sorry. I, I know in this country we have our issues. You know, it's, it's, I don't think it's like that. Plus, obviously, they walk with guns. Mm. We walk with batons or a taser, you know. Um, and Bubba Wallace was told that someone has hung a noose in the garage for Bubba. Now, what I'm saying is that's someone within the fraternity. Mm, yeah. That is someone within that environment who has harbored these opinions and views, never been able to display them, but now has the empowerment to go, there you go. Yeah. Think of yeah. that. You know, it's, it's an absolute disgrace. And, and I talk with so much passion and because I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I'm tired. Uh, you know, the things that are happening now are very repetitious of some of the things I've been calling the game out for and people don't want to listen. And now you've got to a stage where absolutely there's more people that are listening, appreciating yeah. and want to join the journey. 
And I've got to applaud those people more than maybe focus on the negative people that still have the mindset that flowing, you know, flying that plane over the Etihad the other night was the right thing to do. But that must be incredibly frustrating that you've been shouting about this stuff for years and now, <laughs> now, yeah. now everyone's got on board. Um, so, but Chloe, yeah. Is, uh, frustrating yes but you know what at least we're talking yeah and at least there's conversations and there's podcasts and there's platforms and there's broadcasters and there's x and there's y ultimately i'd 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 swap all the talking for action yes (laughs) if we could do that immediately i'd I'd do all that i swap i I do in life tori i'm normally glass half empty rather than glass half full my wife would say i'm more glass half empty and it's smashed and heading towards my face but (laughs) I, I you surprised me, Kevin. I know, but I have, uh, having been to, to to Black Lives Matter protesters, I, I I think this, there is genuine room for a little bit of optimism here. I, I feel that the people of goodwill, for the first time in a long time, the people of goodwill are beginning to speak up. That, that rather than just keep quiet, so you don't know yeah. how these people feel. There, there, I, yeah, I went to a really nice middle class event on Tooting Bit Common. There are far more white people than, than black people there, but they were there, and they were showing proper goodwill. And I think like, yeah. even even people like my auntie, who's been a Tory voter all her life, and it's like she she says, "Well, you know, it's that classic. Well, all lives matter." And I said, "Well, yeah. look, just just think of it. Just whenever you hear the word Black Lives Matter, just put in brackets in your head as well, right? Okay. That might that might help you to understand it a little bit better." Yeah, and she's. Yeah. And she's all for it, and she's angry. My dad's angry, my because my dad's man has always been the, the two greatest sportsmen in the world, Muhammad Ali and Pele, were black. How can these people be so yeah. idiotic? Yeah. As, as and I think what what Chloe said was brilliant. It's not an opinion; it's a lie. I mean, and that's something. Yeah. That's a phrase. If you don't mind, Chloe, that's a phrase I'll be I'll be using because that's that. we've all linked it now, Chloe. <laughs> so but it's a brilliant. It's I'll, I'll tell yeah. I'll, what I'll do, Chloe. I'll tell Ed, and he'll claim that he he made that up. Perfect. I'll see that going around the comedy circuit. But it's a perfect way of saying it because it's like it's it's not it's not an you know and you said earlier, Troy, and it's it's very gracious of you to say they're allowed that they're allowed their 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 opinion if you like, but they they shouldn't be when it's when it's that one. It's just yeah. I I think I I think what I just would say briefly is that like it's easy as white people to forget because racism isn't our daily reality. So. So I think, you know, in 2016 when Black Lives Matter started, that's probably when I became alert to racial yeah. issues in a deeper yeah. way. Troy's yeah. been doing it his whole life. So, uh, you know, it's it's us making that commitment to say, yeah, this is great, but it's our responsibility to sustain it. But you know Chloe. what, Chloe? I remember saying, sorry, JD, I remember saying to my boss, certain things were happening when I was traveling. I travel all over the country for work. And she was like, oh, don't be silly, Troy. You're paranoid. You're this, you're yeah. that, and the other. Come on. Come with me. Walk with yeah. me in my shoes for a day. From the minute I walked on the train, from uh, people looking at me, from someone sitting in my seat and refusing to move, and yet the ticket of my seat tells me that is my seat, from um, not being served in a bar. And now these are just trivial things as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, some people are concerned, but they're not. You know, waiting at a bar. There was a bar that we used to go to, um, and I refused to go to the bar. And some would say, oh, he's a tight guy, so-and-so. Yeah. It's not because I'm tight. It's because every other person would get served by me. Mm. I'm wearing a suit and a, and a shirt, the best way that everyone everyone else was. Mm. But it would always be, oh, yeah, can you? Oh, can you? And there's a couple of people that would go, sorry, he was, he was before me. Do you know what I mean? And I used to come back. I came back one time after half an hour, and she said, where's the drinks? 
And I said, you're going to have to go and get them because uh, they're not serving me. That is the day-to-day reality for someone of my colour. You know, you walk into a shop and all of a sudden the security guy looks at you and homes in on you and forgets you have 100 people that are in the shop. You know, the one where you're questioned about why you are here. I've been to dinners, football dinners, Mm -hmm. hosted by the authorities and been told, can I go and get the starter? I'm sitting down eating with you and you're asking me to get the starter or can you hang my coat up in the cloakroom? No, I'm here to eat and watch the entertainment the same way you are. And if you've had that experience, then come on. But if you haven't, then I would always say to people, question me, choice, never like that. Come and walk with me. Come with me for a little while. You know, if you really want to understand, experience it, come with me and I'll take you on a journey that you'll never believe. And if I can do that, then there'll be so many other people that would do the same thing and say, live my life. And you've only got to do it for 24 hours, by the way. That would be enough. Just do it for 24 hours. Do you know what, Troy? Chloe will probably understand this. Throughout my career as a left-wing comedian, I've always tried to encourage a working-class perspective. I've always tried to say to people, you know, as a working-class black, white, Asian, as a working-class people, we're the ones being exploited. We, we need to unite together. But in the past couple of years, I've come to realise that I can't sell that to black people anymore because yeah. even for white working-class people, the, the daily experience is so different. Even, yeah. you know, a, a, a white kid in, in a hoodie isn't going to get the same attention as a black kid in a hoodie. And it's it's a simple fact, and there's no, there's no point denying that. And, and while I still in my heart want when the revolution does eventually happen, which, you yeah. know, and Ed will have me up against the wall straight away as a reactionary <laughs> middle-class partner. But when, when, it, when it does happen, I've always wanted it to be the, the working classes together because, but I've just, as each day goes by, I realise like, it's not, it's not possible. We, we have to resolve this issue first before we move on. And, yeah. and, and the, the thing, the thing is it, it needs to be intersectional, but at the moment, what we're focusing on is the very real problem of, Black Lives Mattering because yeah. because yeah. you know it, it is a matter of life and death this yeah. this thing and, and that's the important one that we, that we have to address first yeah and we I yeah. think we also have to well as Troy says we have to make sure that this movement continues we can't just allow the black squares on our Instagram feeds and stuff just to, to, to disappear we have to make sure it continues but we have to look closer to home sometimes as well and yes we see crystal palace as a uh, from a diverse part of london and a forward-thinking club but i mean there was a video who went around twitter recently of um this alternative commentary thing and there was a racial oh, yeah, slur yeah. about yeah. Uh, jordan are you in there about yeah. certain mm. part of his body and when the person that made it was challenged on it his reaction was what's racist about that mm. and so yeah, there is JP, still so much ignorance out there that has to be challenged they, they, they use banter for their own personal ignorance. They believe it's banter. They, they'll question themselves and they won't even question themselves. Sorry. They'll get a group laughing. So absolutely it fits the banter bill. But when are we going to stop being the butt of the jokes? I'm fed up of someone using narratives that are, are supposed to be about me or people that look like me. And it's all around comedy. You know, do we remember the times that, that Alf Garnett, I, I played a video today because I was part of a documentary when, you know, I I would have been watching the build-up to the FA Cup final. Yeah. And on that, Gauff Garnett used the term wogs and coons. Excuse mm. me, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say it on this platform. That was on national TV. We used to be and were the butt of the jokes. It's no longer should we be the butt of anyone's joke. 
can you not just see me as a human being and like me or not because you don't like what I come out of my mouth or, or do like it? Just judge me on that. Don't judge me on the colour of my skin and don't judge me on you think that I'm, 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 I'm part of that joke banter that you're allowed to do. Ask a black person if they think that's funny and I guarantee you 99.999 times out of 100, it will be no. And if that's the majority, then exactly. let's go with the majority, can we? Exactly. Yeah, yeah I, well, I, I did a documentary recently, Toro, and the subject of Alf Garnet came up because it's a, it's a program I de- deplore, and it, and it really annoys me that till death has departed. It's two shows. It really annoys me to, to, to because the the BBC and the people who like the show are trying to say no, no, it was it, it, it's an anti-racist show. It, it, that character was ironic, and it's like at the time the BBC never never said no. It's time for till death to depart. An ironic look at racism. They were laughing with him. Yeah. They weren't laughing at him. It's simple yeah. as that. And and you remember mm. that dreadful. And it was on for about three series. Love Thy Neighbour, a sitcom in the seventies. Love 70s, Thy Neighbour. Yeah. The whole point of the joke was that a black couple moved next door to a white couple. Yeah. And and the thing is, and they they defended it because the black guy who was subject to all these terrible words, like the words that you've used just then, which I'm reluctant to use if you don't That's mind. Fine, Kev. That's, um, fine. That's fine. Uh, he, he was, every single episode he'd be, he'd be called that, but he would call the white guy snowflake. And the justification yeah. was white people hate being called snowflake. It's a terrible. Yeah. It's, no, it's not. There's no power in the word snowflake. There's none at all. But in the words that you that you described, words that were used commonly into the 80s on TV, but you know, black. Commonly, Kev, commonly to dehumanise me, to dehumanise my, you know, and and that is to put yourself in that space where you're being dehumanised because of the colour of your skin, you know, is is, uh, those programmes, they're only free, people think that, oh, you could have switched over, they're only free channels back then, Kev, do you know what I mean, BBC One, BBC Two, ITV. When I switched my telly over, BBC Two didn't work anyway. So yeah. I only had two, you know. And uh, not that we were forced to watch it, but it was on our screens. Yeah, of course. I was mm. trying to develop an understanding. I saw people for who they were. So as I look on this screen, I see four people who are, who are coming together and speaking about a common issue. One, maybe a little bit with more, more not passion, but more understanding and appreciation. But three yeah. who are listening and taking in. And hopefully can you, I don't look at it any other way, but there's a standout feature. I'm black. Chloe is a woman and we're with two white males. Yeah. But it's standout. If you're going to identify, I don't mind you identifying me in that way. There was a black guy on the, the pod the other day, but when you start throwing in all the other expletives and narratives to go with it, Oh, that boy, Troy was back on there again. And there will be people listening to this pod. And I'm telling you now that will say that. There will be this bit because I've lost a few followers, by the way. And it's like I've lost a few followers because of the way that I talk and how I rate, continue to raise this issue. And I've they, lost them because now I'm no longer the father of a, of a football player. Yeah. I'm now that person that speaks up about racism all the time. But even now in our, in our industry, the, the industry that Clary and I work in, you, you'll still hear, you know, people will make jokes about ginger people or they'll yeah. make jokes about scousers or whatever. So it's still there. They just use different words for it. But different it, words, yeah. Even, even last week we had a Harry Enfield refusing to apologise for, for, for blacking up in sketches that were only, this is, this is not the 1970s, this is five or six years ago. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, you've got other comics falling over themselves to apologise, like Lee Francis for blacking up 10 years ago. They, they knew what the, the impact would have been of them of them dressing up as black people, whether they're dressing up as black celebrities or not. So it's not it's not something that's completely disappeared. It's, a, it's something that for most of us n- know that we can't say those things or it's not. It's the very minimum, though, Kevin, yeah. isn't it? To be responsible for your actions is the course. very minimum, isn't it? Yeah. To go, do you know what? I'm sorry. And can sorry, I also... Bro. 
Could, no, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, I, I, I also think that although we're moving to a part of society where the overt, the overt racism still very much exists, but there's a more quiet racism that goes on, which comes as part of a climate of that previous more uh, overt societal racism. So when people are, you know, making comments about Jordan Ayew's appendage or calling a black player a beast, they are drawing upon that yeah. those hundreds yeah. of years of cultural legacy where we have used language to, as Troy says, dehumanise mm. and turn black people into um, something that is is animalistic almost to, to say that we are in some way better as white people. Um, so that, that language, it's not banter, it's impactful and it draws on this cultural legacy. My, my last name, Chloe, and that's spot on. My last name, it's the last thing I'll say on this, one which I'm proud of, is probably the name given to me by a slave, given to my ancestors as by a slave owner. Mm. Yeah. So mm. absolutely, I should be wanting to change that last name because it doesn't identify who I am. But the reason why I'm empowered by it is because of what my ancestors would have gone through so that I'm here today. Mm. Although it was a, ter- a name given to them, and, and you ask any West Indian parent, African parent that's had to, that was bought, by the way, bought, to come over to this country mm. or to my name comes from Scotland. So as you can tell, I've got Scottish blood in me. <laughs> um, they would have been handed the name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, just look at like the slave narratives, narratives of a Lord Equiano, Solomon, uh, Northup, I think his name is, mm. um, all of those narratives will start with, my name has been taken away from me. Mm. Language is powerful, and that's why it's really important that we change. Well, but also that we, with the example of this IU video, that we call it out for what it is. Yeah. Even if that yeah. makes an uncomfortable situation, even if that invites you getting trolled by lots of other people, it has to be called out, or else this Mute whole matter... and block. Mute mm. and block. Simple as that. Whether they're fans, whether they're friends, whether they're... I, I, listen, I hold multiple social media accounts. Some of my friends at this... Pe- well, acquaintances at this period of time honestly honestly and i think you've been part of my friend base for what 10 12 15 years you know i've spoken up on this topic and now you're telling me the true you Mm. now you're showing me who you really are and where you feel so what is that what do you think of me then Mm. like i said i don't scroll down anymore it's pointless just for my mental well-being it is absolutely pointless just picking up on something jd said there because uh, we had this conversation while this kid was saying these things, the the, the pod WhatsApp group. And, and, of course, you call it out. And I'll call every, anything out at, at any time to someone's face on Twitter or whatever. But also, I think the first response should always be a reasonable one. The first response should be allowing somebody to, to work out whether or not they've made a mistake. Instead of going straight in and saying, mate, you're a, you're a, a disgraceful yeah, racist. Yeah, 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 the yeah, first thing yeah. you do is say, look... Has it occurred to you that, this, that what you're saying might have some context here and might be offensive? And if if they say, "Oh no, I hadn't. I'm really sorry about that," and then and then you carry on engaging. If they say it's not racist, I'm not going to apologise. That's when you properly call them out. And that's when you properly mm-hmm. go into it. But I think sometimes the temptation for some of us good white middle class liberals <laughs> is to kind of get points for ourselves by jumping on things without realising that the kid saying it might be some 17-year-old kid from who's not been properly educated, who's not 
doesn't know anybody. Do you know what I mean? Just give people the chance to mm. recognise their think, mistake. And then if they don't, that's when you get harsh on their asses. I think that that's where, like, white people need to use their privilege because, like, we can... Because we're not facing racism constantly all day, every day, we can go into those situations and be a bit bit de- desensitised or, or calm because... Because we yeah, are privileged, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. that's how we should be using our voices, I yeah. think. Yeah, although I don't think we should be using our voices so harsh on their arses, Kevin. I never thought I'd hear No, sorry, yeah. But <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't come well out of a well-spoken I might like even cut it. I might <laughs> cut it. I mean, okay. just, just beep it out. I might bleep it. Um, left worse in. Guys, that's, that, that's been a really powerful conversation, and thank you, everyone, for engaging in that. And I hope that people listening have been able to take something away from that in what is a very, very important time for society and for football. Um, let's take a break there. After the break, we're going to talk about an article from The Athletic. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. So let's do a quick shout out to a patron. Uh, can I get a drum roll, please? Terrible drum roll. Um, it's uh, yeah. Colin Francis. Hey, Colin. Hey, hello, Colin. What a legend, Colin Francis. And you can also join our patron and get all the benefits that come to that at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast. Now, Kevin, I know that you enjoy a Palace supporting origin story. I do. I love them. Are you ready for another one? They're always ready. You don't need born ready. Uh, <laughs> you're saying some very weird things on this week's podcast. Um, this is from... Uh, it's the heat. I can't cope uh, in the heat. You know that. At, le- at least he's not chatting about bed sores. Well, that's <laughs> lot, lot, lot. <laughs> right. Uh, it's from at RamRob30. And he says, I live in Texas and I follow Crystal Palace nonstop now. After the 2014 World Cup, my buddy and I wondered why we only like soccer slash football. Thanks for putting that in, RamRob. Every four years during the World Cup. The answer is probably because our professional league is a joke, although it seems to be growing. We then decided to watch the Premier League And since we got a good dose of it on NBC over here We took the next season and decided we'd pick a team Each to follow and cheer for it We took top five teams off limits Because that was too easy And there's too many people on the bandwagon in, said new NY Yankee fans in this country So I'm guessing he's, oh, he's in Texas Um we did our research and we watched games And both came to our own decision He took the easy way out and picked Tottenham Wow oh. Easily a top five team, but not off limits in the rules we set. Hmm. I watched several games, and something about Crystal Palace hit home. The jerseys, the players, the stadium, and mostly the crowd. The announcers even swayed me, because they spoke of the crowd and the environment at Sellhurst. We watched that next season, and just took it all in, and declared our team the following year. I was confident in my decision, and since then he's lost interest in Tottenham, uh, because they've been winning and competing for the championship. Well, there you go. Should learn your lesson. However, I've been following Palace and had the excitement and worries of my choice go through relegation almost every season. So that led me to the following everything. 
every game, every lineup, every injury, transfers, absolutely everything. It's been a roller coaster from relegation battles to FA Cup finals, and I've thoroughly enjoyed every second. I pay for NBC Gold now so I can watch Palace every week. I doubt this matters much to you there, but I wanted to share my story from Texas and let you know I love the podcast. Keep up the good work. Listening every week from Albilene, Texas. Even the quarantine editions, although Pardew's hot pants are hard for me to follow as my palace history is limited. Wow. <laughs> this, is where, this is where Kevin says, what's Pardew's hot pants? Um, I can't wait to watch the game on Saturday. This is before the Bournemouth game. P.S. If you read this on the pod, I'll become a patron. Wow. wow. Damien's That's blackmail. <laughs> I, wondered, I wondered why you were reading the whole thing out. Damien, <laughs> Damien Delaney level, if that's an option. It's not, but maybe we'll make one. Thanks for your time. And that's come from Rob Fair. Um, so Brilliant. thank you, Rob, for that. Um, it's always nice to hear when, when fans, particularly more recent fans, why they've connected to the club. And it's, I think that's a really nice yeah. story. It's a, it's a lovely story to hear. And it's lovely to hear that it, even in such a short space of time, it gets under his skin. This <laughs> <laughs> is what, it's what it does. I mean, we, we can't walk away because we live around the corner, but he's got every opportunity to just go and watch something else. That's, that's lovely. Thanks for that, Rob. That's brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, so uh, let's talk about an article from our sponsors, The Athletic. They're a world-class team of writers covering every club and doing the best coverage of Crystal Palace. Subscription-based website and that. Completely ad-free. No ads, no pop-ups. Just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. If you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a seven-day free trial with 50% of you in your subscription. I think that's a record for time. That was impressive. Um, this week's article is about Mamadou Sacco, and we had quite a lot of tweets about Mamadou. He returned to the starting lineup at Liverpool uh, last night. The article is called Sacco Favours a Return to France. But Palace want much more than 4.5 million in this by Matt Woosnam and Dom Fifield. Uh, I'm going to read a little section from the middle here from you guys um, about this. Um, regarded by some within the club as the most accomplished ball playing centre back in Palace's history, Saka remains one of the highest earners, with wages in excess of £100,000 a week, having joined from Liverpool for £26 million in August 2017 following a successful six-month loan spell. There is a clause in his contract that extends it for a year to 2022 if the club choose to. There is no question he has ability to feature regularly for Palace, but those injuries have been a consistent source of frustration, this season limiting him just to 556 minutes of football. There are 27 appearances last term and 19 in the one before that. Now with interest for his services in France, a potentially complicated situation has arisen. There is more, and I'll come on to it in a minute, but Troy, Sacco seems to be a constant source of debate on this podcast, mm. and whenever we do the post-match pod with Selzy, he's adamant that he's Palace's best ever centre-back. But when you've got a player that's in and out of the team like that with injuries, at what point does a club, and with his interest from, from France, I think it's Leon in particular, at what club chance does, at what time does the club say, right, let's make a decision here? You know, it's an interesting one because I, I love Mamadou Saka as a player, as I, I could imagine his influence in the changing room. I could imagine, imagine his, his banter and his, his just whole, you know, his demeanor is very good. Do I have my heart in my mouth on a number of occasions when I watch him backflip <laughs> on the edge of the box? I do, but I do confidently almost. Do you know what I mean? There's only, I don't know, once or twice. I remember the Chelsea game, Roy's yeah. first first game. We're 2-1 up and we're going to win this. And Mamadou backflips to Fabregas and smash. And I just expected it to go in. It went wide. We forgave him straight away. You know, he's a massive influence. Uh, listen, a fit Mamadou Sacco. And I'm not being disrespectful to Scott Dan here, by the way, because what he's done in, in reinventing himself almost in this partnership has been amazing. 
but a fit Mamadou Sacco and a Gary Cahill, by the way, who doesn't seem to age, would be my perfect centre-back partnership. But I can see the pull of going back to what he believes home. Um, Palace will do well to get more than that figure, not only because of the current climate, but because of the injuries that you've spoken about. Can any buying club say that they're going to get a full season out of Saka? Mm. You know, he, he walks on the pitch, he's heavy, he looks unfit, but he seems to get through the games. He, you know, he picks up his injuries at the most difficult moment in time. I remember two games against Spurs when we were nil-nil and he was having an absolute blinder and, mm. you know, he makes a very good forceful tackle and he has to limp out the game. Age factor comes into it, the finance come into it. I wouldn't like to lose him personally because I think if we can get him fit and, and you know, performing in the way that he has done, then, uh, you know, it's, it's still an incredible asset. And I think defenders can go on and on and on, by the way, as Gary Cahill was proving. But I just think maybe if you look at the stats and the record, that uh, you know, it could be of interest to, to a club whose finances absolutely depend on selling off players and recouping money, you know, is, is important, but they're never going to recoup what they've outlaid, that's mm. for sure. Never going to recoup. But I'm he's sure been I, pivotal I, I, in, in keeping this club competitive mm. in this league, and you can't ignore that for a fact. Sorry, I'm like you, Troy. I love watching him play. I would just much rather be watching him play for a different club in a different country. <laughs> I'd enjoy watching him play far more if he wasn't playing for us and he wasn't playing against us because I, I, I think he's been a brilliant centre-half for us. I don't think we've ever seen his full potential because of those injuries. Yeah. But last night, I thought it was difficult last night because not for no individual mistake of Hennessy, we, we dis- discussed this before, since when Hennessy comes in, the back four sit that little bit deeper than they, they do normally when Goethe's playing. And I thought last night Cahill looked uncertain next to next to Sacco. I really thought some of the body language he looked, you know, and, and it's 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 too easy to say well we've had four clean sheets with with Dan and Cahill because we're playing four teams below us in the table. Now, yeah, there's something we need to remember. Is my favourite stat of the weekend was before the Bournemouth game is that apart from Liverpool, we've taken more points from teams in the bottom eight than any other team yeah. in the yeah. league. The, t- around, the teams around us that we used to struggle against, we're better than the likes of Watford, yeah. Burnley, etc. But we're nowhere near as good as Liverpool. And last night, I thought both Cahill and Sacco, the lack of mobility against a, a, a Liverpool front three that's, fo- that's so quick and so, so moved so quick. I just thought, I just thought Sacco looked uncertain. And, and it I'm made not going yeah. to hold that against... I, I, listen, I've got to be honest. They're playing uh, Salah, Mane and Firmino, three of the players with the best... Move, in a matter of fact, the best free movement that we yeah. are, have in our league. Yeah. And I don't care what permutation we put together yesterday yep. they had their initial let's get used to this against Everton and they were ripe last night yeah they it were, may have yeah. been a different game if we had played them first to first, be totally yeah, honest yeah, I think that yeah. uncertainty would have definitely been in so you know when you get used to a partner as well that absolutely you know you've got trust in as Cahill and Dan have regardless of who they're playing against because goals can come in no matter in, in funny shapes and forms when you when you trust someone you kind of know what you're going to do when you're going to, and what you're going to do next. I've always seen Mamadou as someone, as a leader, who has, has made Kelly's performances better, has made Scott Dan when he's coming, their performances better. He's been very commanding. This time, you've got two senior pros. Who's the leader? Who takes yeah. control? Who's yeah. the one that says Mamadou? And can Cahill actually say to Mamadou, sort yourself out? Some people might think that's a little bit, but he's a senior player as well, you know? Yeah. He's a little bit, 
you know, he, he, he's random in his, in his thought process. Cahill likes that person who's absolutely, I know what I'm going to get from him. That's Scott Dan. I know what I'm going to get yeah. from Kelly. That's there. That's what I'll throw in the mix um, but the to the conversation. That, the thing that I find weird about Sacco is that whilst being so unpredictable, I've never seen someone more overtly signpost where they're going to hit a pass <laughs> with their body than he does. You just know where it's going because it takes him so long to do it. Um, <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing about Mamadou is that I will, I will always love him. And like, it, it could just be a case of he came in when we needed him. He did yeah. what we needed him for. Yeah. And now we don't need him. And, I will always love the memories of him stepping up into midfield against smaller teams mm. when we couldn't put a, a killer pass through and he would just, you know, knock it into Ruben Loftus-Cheek or knock it into Wilf and do something brilliant. For, for me, I think we need to get rid of him. The £4.5 million, pounds, I'll take it. For me, it's more about his high wage bill that I think we need to get off the books at Palace. And I think we could we could probably sign two centre-halves for... Yeah, um, and younger yeah. as well, Chloe. We need, to, we, need to get, we need to get the average age of the squad. I, I, it was odd because against Bournemouth, I was slightly worried because you think, you know, Wilf was the youngest starting player against Bournemouth and he was 27 and you think it's a hot afternoon. Really? But, but Yeah, but we looked... Against Bournemouth, I thought we looked fit, we looked strong, we looked powerful. Against Liverpool, we looked like an old squad because Bournemouth, yeah. we were a better team than Bournemouth. Was that? Yeah. And once, once Liverpool started moving the ball about after the first couple of minutes last night, you, you think this is going to be a long... But Kev, I agree with you. You remember what we're... We're talking about here. We're talking about Liverpool Football Club. Of course, we're yeah. talking the about the champions. They're going to win it, they're yeah. win it yeah. by twenty-five points. Of exactly. They're not yeah. winning it because they've they've got an extra point more than Man City. Absolutely. They're winning it by by and it's no it's no to lose to Liverpool. Is, you know, we've had good times up there. You know, we and this is where I also thought that part we were talking about earlier about the fans last night. Yeah, really had a negative impact on us. Because the quietening down of Anfield, the, the boosting of our own players because you go so long without conceding a goal, the confidence the players then get because the fans have confidence in you, all that comes into mm. that dynamic. And even going 1-0 down, you'd kind of think where the goal was scored and where our fans are, you'd think, yeah, don't worry, the fans will get the lads back up for this and we'll get back up the other end. But yes, did you, the impact did you, did... of losing Wilf, the impact of the goal, the impact of the goal just before half time. We knew what the score. Well, we knew we were going to lose. I think we we're all just making sure yeah. that can we keep it to that respectable yeah. one. Did so you that notice though out. that um, Sky Sports still went quiet for uh, "You'll Never Walk Alone"? The commentators. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think the difference is though is that like last night we were we were always likely to lose it. I think just. With the injuries, like there were there were four or five players once Wilf went off that wouldn't have been the first choice starters, yeah. and I think everyone had been really up for it in the morning. As soon as we saw the lineup, everyone went a bit quiet that we're going to get beat. I think the shame was that there was no point where we felt like we were competitive and in mm. the game. And I think there was lots of like tiny little factors that the lineup the travel arrangements, the crowd, that would have just given us that better yes. chance to just yeah, but enjoy see, the game rather than roll over. Yeah, Can we yeah. go back to when we lost 4-3 last year at Anfield and we were very similar for the first 25 minutes as we were last night? We were very similar. Mm. And like I said to you, this is what... The lineup is one thing, and I understand that because when you play with a team that's confident and actually you know who's next to you, that is a massive thing. And you know we've kept clean sheets. I actually didn't see Liverpool scoring until they did. And that's, you know, in terms of were they going to cut us open in open play? Not at that period of time. Because the one thing the commentators were saying was, look how disciplined Crystal Palace are. Look 
like how Liverpool are going to have to go down the sides and not go through the middle because Palace had basically blocked that section off, you know? And it was going to take something... Listen, I have my own concerns about the free kick and the way that it went in, whether we're going to address mm-hmm. it or not. That's another matter. <laughs> um, it was going to take that. And then once that happens, now Liverpool don't have... Liverpool can play with you. Mm. And and the second goal is, a, is an avoidable goal. I'm sorry, it's so avoidable, that second goal. But then Liverpool were flying. They don't need their fans. They're, they're on the money. Do you know what I mean? We then start to look for excuses because we, you know, we've, we've got four or five players in there that maybe shouldn't have been in there. Roy's got to trust the 14, 15 during this period that he's got because it's going to be needed. Uh, but and, the problem, but the, pro- the, pro- the problem was is that as soon as Wilf goes off, you, no, all, you've is, all you've That's got is two flat lines of four and five and the bit up get front. And yeah. there's no outlet. Yeah. There's, you know, the, the, absolutely. That was the bit I get that that I identify Wilf going on off as that possible, really. But that's the last thing we needed. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Without doubt, because him dragging players up the other end. By the way, did you see Trent Alexander once Wilf went off? Yeah, Trent was like happy days. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> happy days. yeah. you know, because we didn't replace, and I, there's not a light for light replacement, but I, I mean in terms of pace. We didn't replace pace on that side. So Tuck we've got Max period. now. Yeah. yeah, That's what I actually thought might have happened because at least he's going to, if he gets on it, and remember we had very minimal opportunity to get on the ball, at least we have the opportunity to drive. And drive means release of pressure back there, means that we can set properly and then defend things better if play breaks down. Um, and, and, it, and that's nothing against Max Meyer, by the way, in the way that he played when he came on. It's just that kind of thought process. Trent was like, happy days. Now, I haven't got to worry because if it breaks down, whoever it is, I know I'm catching them. Yeah, yeah. So it's not an issue, you know? Well, also, I, I, I thought he was more likely to be in Perricon because if, if it had been a full Anfield, I don't think he would have got anywhere near coming on because he'd be terrified. But it's like, just bring him on and say it's a training pitch. This is what you play in front of with the under-23s every, every, with the academy. Yeah. Just treat yeah. it like that. And, and there's, yeah, there's no environment. One, there's, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I also thought we missed Benteke because I thought, I thought he was really underrated on Saturday because he, he at least gives you that 30 seconds break for the defenders. He, he, he holds the ball up. He lets the midfielders get around him. And then you've got a sniff of getting forward and just, it just kept coming back. If he, he didn't then, forward, it just but kept we could have had Andros and It was funny. Yeah, it was funny because Ayu, whether this was by design, by who, Palace or Liverpool, I don't know, played on Gomez. Yeah. So Van Van Dyke was free. Ayu was competitive up against Gomez, but things were bouncing off him rather than yeah. being kept, yeah, you know. Yeah. And the couple of times that he did try and keep it, then he, you know, we've got to praise the Liverpool press. This is what yes, I'm saying. Let's not knock Palace too much because yeah. any time a Palace player looked like they could dwell on the ball, that press was in our face. And Klopp has said it, it was the best he's seen his team press. He said best. Liverpool press, and I immediately thought about Sky Sports again. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just, on the selection... Two that's obvious, that's two killed obvious, it. Two yeah, obvious. That's killed it. Um, that's what I do with my comedy, Troy. Um, but, um, <laughs> just on the lineups, Troy, do we think... We, we know that Guaita picked up an injury. We know that... Um, Benteke's got an injury and obviously Wilf went off. Do we think Dan and Luca not playing is simply Roy trying to give them enough time to recover for a much more winnable game on Monday night? I always thought the game last night's game would have been difficult for Dan just because of the movement of, of the players mm-hmm. up front, to be totally honest. And I thought as much as what we're saying about Sacco, 
he probably is better suited in that circumstance. But again, remembering how long he hadn't played for became a factor, as you could tell. Yeah. I was surprised at Luca. Uh, uh, and, and I'm going to say this, and hopefully I'm not disrespectful to anybody. We couldn't pass yesterday. Mm. You know, so when we did get on the ball, we didn't pass. But we didn't pass with any quality, or we passed and put ourselves in danger. And Luca would have allowed us to have stretched the play in different areas that the players that were playing. And I understand why they're in there. And by the way, they're dogged. They they get in your face. They 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 won't let you disrespect them as as a midfield from Liverpool that just wants to pass around you, you know. But I think Luca in there would have allowed us to 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 pass the ball with a little bit better quality and provide outlets. And again, I'm looking at Wilf and I'm looking at Andros. And even in the 20 minutes, 25, whatever it was that Wilf was on, how many times did he touch the ball? Mm-hmm. How many times was he found and was on the ball? How many times did our front three absolutely were given the ball where they had just a teeny bit of space to work a situation? And we struggled to pass out of, and it's been a problem most of the season. But then I looked at Bournemouth and I thought, here you go. The boys have been the boys have been working hard here, haven't they? The football was good. It was clean. It was you know, the passing was 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 precise. It was on it, and that remained after that first fifteen minutes where Bournemouth gave it all they got. And Palace looked at them and said, "Is that is that is, well? Here we go. Now let's start playing." And we cut them open. We had angles. We had, and admittedly, that's Bournemouth. That's yeah. Liverpool. But we we never controlled the ball. I'd be interesting to know the percentage of how long we kept the ball for because it's going to be very minimal, very minimal. And I Spe- thought Luca would have been important in that. Speaking of percentages and stats and stuff, do you guys see Opta tweeted a stat last night or this morning that Palace were the first team ever since they started doing uh, these kind of stats? I think it's two thousand eight to not have a touch. In, in the, the box, opposition's yeah. box. Now it turns out not that is not true. Andros had one. Andros had. We had, admittedly it was only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of made me laugh that like the this stat was released and then it's subsequently been shown to be erroneous. But all of the Palace Twitter is like, um, no, actually it's wrong. And there's a screenshot of Andros just tapping it with his toe once. It's still a pretty bad stat, guys. Come on. I'd rather it was none than yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. That's a good bit of trivia. If yeah. you're in, the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of things, who cares with your stats? You know, they won 4-0. That's the stat. We won two 0 last game, and we're going to win the next game. So yeah. what? The big, yeah. the, the, big, the big stat is we've got forty two points. So you know, there you go, there you go. Right, okay. Let's let's move on for Liverpool. There, we've we've drawn on that enough. Um, we'll move on to part three. We've got questions from our listeners, but I need to remind you that the Athletic, of course, you can read that article and loads more. Um, they're at the Athletic.co.uk, and if you visit the Athletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a seven day free trial and receive fifty percent off your yearly subscription. Right after the break, questions. <laughs> Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Part three uh, is questions from our listeners. Um, Let's crack on as soon as possible. This one comes from Paulie Mantel. Hi, Paulie. And it says, how is Kevin coping in the heat wave? (laughs) Very, very poorly. It's not so much the heat. It's all the shallow people who claim to enjoy it that really just annoy me. You don't know about Chloe. I, I, I don't mind... I don't mind daylight during the day. I'm fine with it during the day. 
But beyond seven o'clock, it shouldn't be light or sunny. And it's just each minute is an agony. It's an at least at least the longest day has gone by, so it's starting to get dark. This is incredibly on brand. I'm not surprised this is an opinion that you hold. But <laughs> what, what I was going to say when you came in, your summer wardrobe is a really good one. You're wearing a lovely shirt, nice nice trousers. I think you look great. This is my entire summer wardrobe. You just happened to get me on the day that I've got my summer wardrobe. My one pair of white jeans and my one short sleeve shirt. It's the only short sleeve shirt I've got. Oh, it's, a, it's a good look. It's I can't good, stand the it, summer. It just annoys Gazali and Ed are real summer bunnies as well he's all right fred he's 24 he's fit he's buff he's hench we need to get... walking, of course he's walking around his shorts and a vest he's you know, he's showing should... off his little cute tattoo that he's we had should... you seen his tattoo yet chloe sorry, oh no sorry. i haven't seen his tattoo oh, he, he went he went for a he said i'm going to get a whole sleeve done and he come back with a puppy <laughs> tattoo of a puppy just the cutest thing kev has got buff and hench into a sentence is enough for me i know we don't well, need anything else the fact that that sentence is about ed as well obviously i'm starting <laughs> to really regret asking that question so i'm gonna move on <laughs> to another one um it's from uh it's from Chris Lehman, who runs One More Point yeah, Fanzine and has written a book. And I've got a couple of books to give away as well, which I will um, mention on uh, our Twitter account. So go to our Twitter account and we can give away a couple of books uh, of Chris's uh, excellent book about One More Point Fanzine. He says three points from two away games post-lockdown is three more that from the equivalent fixtures last season. Mm-hmm. Obviously objectively what points tally are you predicting palace to finish on i'm going 51 and as kevin said there troy that is the main headline this week we're on we're on 42 50 is the one we're aiming for mm. still got enough games to do that we have but we, again we have to look at the games that are left and the chelsea's and the man united's and the tottenham's which again at Selhurst Park would have been absolute humdinger of games you know mm. traditionally we don't really beat chelsea at selhurst Although I see, for me, they're fit for us. They're fit for us the, the way that we've been playing. Man United, we've we've always given a good game, but have tripped up over the last few years and have succumbed to last-minute winners and all that crap that happens. Um, and the Spurs game, we normally always lose 1-0, don't we, yeah. at home? Unless it's an yeah. FA Cup tie. Um, but they would have been really good games under any other circumstances, particularly at home. Again, I just look at the power of those three teams and hope that we can do ourselves justice and get what the relevant points we need. I look at the the Burnley game as a starting point to erase the memory of Liverpool, the Leicester game where we normally do well away from home there and absolutely normally smash them. The Villa game, let's not give them any kind of bite on that game. Wolves is a difficult one. So there's nine points there, definitely. So getting over, getting over 50, you know, for a, a squad like ours and if we can... Again, keep you know, we always have to now factor in injuries and stuff like that. If we can keep the injuries out of it because we've only got a small squad, then I'd, I'd be happy if we get to, to 51 points, that's for sure. It's a shame, though, be competitive Chloe, in those other games. Yeah. It's a shame, though, Chloe, because the, the Man United and Tottenham games would have come at a time when we would have been safe and we would have been able to because we've seen, haven't we, in the last couple of seasons, when, when we've got the points that we need, Roy lets he lets the let's, hand break let's up a little bit, yeah. You know, and, and and I think we would have seen those games. We would have seen PVA bombing down the side. We would have, we would have seen yeah. players getting forward. So it's a shame Sellers, that we won't have that atmosphere to. Yeah, as Troy says, Sellers would have been rocking as well. Yeah. Um, oh, those, yeah. those three games would have been amazing. 
it's a real shame. But but I think what's good is yeah, we've got the points on the board now, and we can just um, like cruise to the end of this season yeah. and regroup again for next. Well, well, let's not we... cruise. Let's not cruise. Cause I don't want to go through just... yesterday again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think actually having gone through it yesterday, I actually think it's one of those results that that won't be repeated because I think no yeah. one will want to go through it again. And, and yeah. are yeah. we expecting then if we can preview Burnley very quickly on on Monday night? Are we expecting to see it return more to the sort of team, depending on injuries, um, that we saw at Bournemouth? So Dan possibly back in, Luca back in the midfield, um, more back to maybe what worked for us down on the south coast, Troy. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, listen, I think Scott Dan was left out for a reason and I think fitness or, you know, being able to make his body recoup would have been one of those reasons, knowing the way that Burnley play, knowing the way that him and Gary have, have created this partnership. Um, you know, you don't leave him out again, do you? You know, but you have to manage him through a process. That's the yeah. thing when you're when you're at that stage. Luca, without doubt, I think he was missed and, uh, you know, he, he was bright against, against Bournemouth. Yeah, I liked it. You know, I kind of question his performances sometimes this season, but he looked on it again. The break has done him good. Um, and uh, the free kick showed his confidence. You know, the free kick was mm. was just spot on and it showed where he was or where he, where he is. And he's, he's the captain. So I think, you know, you leave the captain out, you you kind of say certain things to the squad, but I can understand, you know, he's uh, we're going to have to, Roy's going to have to manage the squad quite carefully. You know, we've got a couple of niggly injuries already. Is Christian going to be fit? Is Wilf going to be fit? Gaeta, you know, they're important people. They're pivotal people to the way that the side has been playing over the last period of time. Um, you know, free, remember before the three wins, one, one, one nils, one nils, one nils. We hadn't won in seven, mm. I think seven or eight, you know, and, and so oh, yeah. it's very, yeah, we forget that. Forgotten that yeah. I'm absolutely mm. leaving that behind now. We're trying to talk about a season within a season. So let's leave the past behind. We're one-on-one. Uh, we've had one very good performance, one where we've been beaten by the champions. You know, let, let's get back on, on track with the Burnley performance and, and I'm sure we'll be fine. I don't know if you saw Burnley against Man City on um, whatever day it was, Monday night, but um, <laughs> they looked they looked flatter than we did last night. I mean, Man City declared essentially on five and they, they could have scored a lot more. <laughs> Sean Dyche's body, there's all these rumours coming out today that Dyche yeah. was away from Burnley. I, I think... I think that the, that airplane thing is going to affect them as well because like, suddenly you've got a group of players who are thinking, I know the fans are not here, but I don't care about playing for them. I, I, they, yeah. they really look to me, Bernie, on, on the team who really, as you said earlier, Troy, they want to get this out of the way, yeah. get into the summer, get their contract sorted out, see who the manager is. So they're 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 right for the taking, I think. And and, and I think Palace at their best are better than Burnley at their best. Simple as that. Yeah. Full stop. Full stop. Yeah. Can I end, uh, Chloe, with this question from David Fraser? And it says, if Bournemouth was the good and Liverpool was the bad, <laughs> what was the ugly? Oh, uh, oh no, I don't know what the ugly was. <laughs> um, I put you on the spot there. Yeah, you really did. I was trying to um, think about someone that had come back with bad post-corona hairstyle, but all I could think of is that Andros was the person that we were talking about beforehand, and obviously his dad sat here, so I can't say that. Chloe, Chloe, remember what I said earlier, be free with what you say, do you know what I mean? Don't hold is, back, say it It's as a it safe is. space, it's a place of learning. No, you I think... off I, air, you said Wolverine. Go on, go on, you said Wolverine. Yeah, he looked like Wolverine, and I happen to know that Wolverine is very, very cool, actually. Um... Andros, Andros is far from the ugly. Um, the ugly is um, the injustices of society. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. And, and Mike Dean's beard. 
<laughs> and Mike Dean's beard. Yeah. Imagine, Jesus, yeah, that's the point. Mike Dean's beard. Yeah. Uh, Got yourself out of that, though, Chloe. What the listener can't see is that I've gone bright red. With <laughs> 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 the sun. Uh, guys, um, it's been so good to talk to you um, this week, especially having Troy and Chloe back. It's been yeah. so nice to have you back. And thank you so much for just giving such an engaging and important podcast this week. We've covered so many topics, um, but it's been really, really good to, to see you guys. And I really, really appreciate it. And I know that our listeners will as well. Mm. Um, so that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, Troy, thanks for joining us. Absolute pleasure as always. Bundle of laughs, but so much importance in there as well. So really appreciate the platform. Absolutely. Love you to bits. And uh, Chloe, thanks for uh, being here as well. Oh, cheers. Thanks. <laughs> a lot of bits as, as well. <laughs> thanks for making up the numbers, Chloe. <laughs> um, no, but, but I just wanted to say, like, yeah, um, like, Troy, what Troy said was so important and so, so engaging. And, like, it must be so frustrating just having to say these things over and over yeah, and over again. Yeah, but, yeah. but thank you for, like, taking that time to, to yeah. do that for us. We do, we do appreciate it. And, Kevin, you and your summer wardrobe. <laughs> just good. I mean, again, doesn't work on audio, but no, no, but you're welcome. They can trust us that it looks good. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, the right. patrons will get a post match pod on Monday, and we're back next week with another main podcast. In the meantime, stay safe. We'll see you again soon. Podcast Network.